Thank you, Jackie. We're going to pray for that in just a moment. Um, my name's Dave. Welcome to Good News Church. I'm the campus pastor uh, here at our World Golf Campus. And um, I do have two things um, to share with you, just kind of announcements within the family here at Good News. Um, we experienced some sadness this week uh, as we lost John Griffin, who was a member here. Um, John died this past week, and uh, there's going to be a memorial service for John on Thursday, the 27th at 11 a.m. Um, here at our, our World Golf Campus. And um, please pray for Ann and um, for their daughters and grandkids as they travel and as we gather to remember John. And then we have some uh, good news. Uh, we celebrate with uh, Harry and Lisa Kent and the birth of another grandchild, Jake. Uh, James, and uh, super awesome. So congratulations to Harry and Lisa on that. We also rejoice this week at seeing three different people who profess faith in Christ. And along with that, we added another evangelist to the number of evangelists who are individuals within our church who have led someone to faith in Christ. And the entire process of making disciples begins and ends with evangelism. And uh, so we want to rejoice in that. And let's spend just a, a moment in prayer before we open God's word together. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give you thanks. We thank you even in the midst of our tears and mourning over the loss of John Griffin. And we pray that you would bring comfort and help to Anne and to the family and Lord, may we honor you, King Jesus, as we gather to celebrate what you have done for John and what you uh, can do for anyone who puts their trust in you, that you bestow eternal life to all who believe on your name. And Father, we rejoice at, with Harry and Lisa and the birth of James, and we pray that he would grow and in a healthy way and come to know you at an early age and follow you all the days of his life. And Lord, we come to you today and we ask that you would open our eyes to see who you say you are. Help us, King Jesus. Give us light to see the gospel more clearly this morning. That the lost could be one to faith in you, believers built and workers equipped for the harvest. So that we might send into the nations disciple makers to bear much fruit for your glory. Toward this end, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. The passage that I'd like to call your attention to this morning is from John chapter 8. John 8. I'm just going to read one verse to start. John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The word of God. Last week, uh, we met James. James is a, a made up friend, a disciple. He's not real. But we're all James. We all have something in common with him. And last week, as we interacted with James at the coffee shop, we, we saw that James 
had an incredibly busy life. He was pulled in so many different directions with children and his wife and his kids, his business, so many different directions. And we saw that Jesus is not just one more thing to add to James's life, but Jesus is the bread of life. He's the one thing that James needs at the center of his life to direct all of his decisions, and all of his actions. This week, you show up to meet with James at the coffee shop, and when you show up at the coffee shop, you're surprised because James is already there. And you walk in, and then you're surprised again. Because when you go to sit down with James, James isn't wearing his usual business casual. Instead, James has on basketball shorts, and a hoodie. And you think, I wonder what's up. Well, you sit down, you ask James, what's happening? And he says, well, I I lost my job. And as you talk to James over the next few minutes, you discover that James lost his job and he's very, very angry. In fact, he blames his boss for her management and he blames the company. It's all just a bunch of woke capitalists now and He blames Zoom sanity. He's mad. He is so angry. And it's everyone else's fault that he's lost his job. Now, as you talk to James, what does James need? James needs light. James needs the light of the gospel. James needs the light of the gospel to help him see himself the way he really is his own faults, his own sin, his own failures. And James needs the light of the gospel to see Jesus so that he wouldn't gaze at his circumstances, but gaze at Jesus. And in gazing at Jesus, he could be changed. He could set aside anger and bitterness that's only going to wreck his life. So how do you help James? How do we help ourselves? Isn't it good to know that we have Jesus who says he is the light of the world? When Jesus says he's the light of the world, he's he's saying that I'm the one that you can see everything through. I'm the light of the world, and when you see me, you'll be able to see everything more clearly. You'll be able to see yourself, your need. You'll be able to see me, the great solution to all your needs. You'll be able to see the world around you more clearly. We need the light of the world. We need the light of the world because without Jesus, we're going to walk in darkness, and we're going to be filled with with anger and and bitterness, and confusion, and and lostness. But if we have Jesus, we have the light of the world. You know, the, the Bible, from beginning to end, is one story. When Jesus proclaims himself to be the light of the world in John chapter 8, verse 12, he's in Jerusalem. He's in the temple in Jerusalem. In John chapter 7, he travels to Jerusalem 
from his home in Capernaum, and he goes to Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles was when Israel each year would celebrate and remember the way God miraculously provided for them as they journeyed from Egypt to the Promised Land. And that each day, God provided manna, the bread of life, and each day, God guided Israel in a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. And in the festival each year in Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles, they would erect four 50-foot-high pillars with oil lamps that they would light in the temple area each day at around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And the light from those four oil lamps would illuminate the entire temple area with light. And in the light of those oil lamps, people would light their own lamps and they would worship and sing to God throughout the evening and into the night. And Jesus and his disciples are staying across the Kidron Valley in the Mount of Olives on the opposite side from Jerusalem. And each night they would have looked out from their campsite onto Jerusalem and they would have seen the light. And as Jesus reflects and looks at the city of Jerusalem, and as he goes to visit the temple area, after the conclusion of the feast, he delivers the drop-the-mic moment and says, I am the light of the world. I'm the one thing that everything in the Bible points to. I'm the light that guided Israel in the wilderness. I'm the light that can shine into your heart to help you see your need. I'm the light that can illumine your path. I'm the light of the world. And if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. In the Bible, the word light is found 229 times. From beginning to end, light is a critical metaphor in the whole of scriptures, the scriptures. From the very beginning, light is brought into the creation by God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. The God looked... God, who exists eternally, brought light into existence. And everything in this world depends upon light for life. And what's the source of that light? The source of that light is God himself, who spoke and brought light into existence. So the Bible begins with light, and the Bible ends with light. In Revelation chapter 22... 
verse 5. There will no longer be any night. They will not have need of the, night, of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. So light bookends this story of the gospel from beginning to end. It begins with light as God brings it into existence, and it ends with light as God will provide it in himself. And in between the beginning and the end of the Bible, the Bible is four chapters that tell one story pointing to Jesus Christ, the light of the world. In chapter one of the Bible, we saw that God created the heavens and the earth. God made all things, and the first thing he made was light. And then on the fourth day of creation, God created the sun, moon, and stars to reflect and provide light for all the universe. But in all the pagan religions of all the peoples that surrounded Israel, they worshipped the sun, moon, and stars. And they forgot to worship the God who created the sun, moon, and stars. And so in Psalm 148, we see that the sun, moon, and stars, they bend themselves to worship the Creator. In Psalm 148, here it is. Psalm 148, verse 3, Praise Him, sun, moon. Praise Him, all stars of light. Verse 5, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Israel was to be a people who worshipped their creator God. And they were not to be like the nations all around them that worshipped the sun and the moon and the stars. The Bible turns the sun, moon, and stars and all created things back to God and says, Worship Him, all creatures. Worship Him, all you heavenly hosts. If God created us, we owe Him everything. If God created us, we owe Him worship and honor and praise. But the second chapter of the Bible tells us that something has gone horribly wrong. You see, the sun, the moon, and the stars, they continue to reflect the glory of the light of God. But you and I, you and I who were created uniquely amongst all the universe to reflect the honor and glory of God, we've turned away from him. We've turned away and the fall, the second chapter of the Bible tells us this. Jesus says, this is the judgment the light, of, the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. And maybe the oldest uh, book in the whole Bible, the book of Job, Job 24, 13, Job says this, They have been with those who rebel against the light. They do not want to know its ways nor abide in its path. In the second chapter of the Bible, all of us have turned aside. Each of us have gone our own way. We've turned away from the light. We've run into the darkness. 
But in the next chapter in the Bible, the one story of the Bible, light is still important in redemption. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, comes into the world and he's promised in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 9, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Many, many years before Jesus would be born, his birth was predicted and it was said of him that he would be a light. And so it was. John chapter 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus Christ, without ceasing to be God, took on our humanity and he shows perfectly what it means to be a person who reflects the light and glory of God in a dark world. The light walks in our midst and the one who would walk in the darkness as the great light, Jesus Christ, said, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Jesus says, if you'll turn from darkness and sin and trust in me as Savior and Lord, if you'll look to me, I will welcome you into my light. Now, have you noticed that when a person puts their trust in Christ, they're not immediately zapped up into heaven? They're, Many of us who are here this morning, we know Christ and we're all still here. You ever wonder why? I mean, he could. He could just take us immediately to heaven, but he doesn't because he leaves us to be engaged in his great light project. Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In redemption, the light comes into the world. He calls men out of darkness into his light, and then through those people who have been brought into his light, he reflects his glory to the nations so that more and more people can be added to his light. And that's our work, the work of his church, locally and globally, to shine the light of Jesus into the, a world that's turned away from him. And one day, in the final chapter of the Bible, consummation will bring about an event when Christ will come again to establish the final state of things. And in that day, the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God has illumined it and its lamp is the Lamb. 
The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Creation, God made light. Fall, man turned away from the light into darkness. Redemption, God came in the person of his son to shine the light of his glory and to call men out of darkness into his light. Consummation, those who walk in the light will be with him forever and they will need no more sun because they will have him, the light of the world, forever. Now what James needs and what you and I need is to find ourselves in that story. To identify our lives with that one story of the Bible and let it move into the center of our lives. Now, I have in my hand, what's, what is this? Orange. And what is this? Apple. Okay, very good, class. What color is the orange? Okay, great. You're getting more confident. And the apple is? Red. Now, class, if I turned out all the lights in this room, don't do it, but if I turned out all the lights in this room, what color would you perceive the orange and the apple to be? Oh, you're not nearly as confident. They'd both be black. You, they would both be the same color. They'd both be black. The orange and the apple would both be black. And so many of us walk in darkness, and we don't see any difference between Jesus and no Jesus until the light of the gospel comes to us. And others of us, others of us have some light, we have some light, but we just believe that, well, all religions are basically like these two fruits. They're both fruits. Some have Jesus fruit. Some have no Jesus fruit. But they're all just fruits. There's really no difference between religions. They're all basically the same. And Christianity isn't the same as every other religion. And how can you tell? Only if you take the gospel and you taste and see that Jesus Christ is different. Jesus Christ is unique. Jesus Christ alone is the light of the world. And if you take Christianity into the center of your life, C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has written, risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. That when I take the one story of the Bible into the center of my life, I now know Jesus Christ is unique. Jesus Christ alone helps me see myself for who I really am. And Jesus Christ alone has dealt with my sin problem once and for all through his life and death and resurrection. And when I come to him, when, I brought, when I'm brought to faith in him, he comes into the center of my life. And there is a vast difference between religion 
and Jesus. All you need to do is just taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, when you see Jesus, not only will you see Jesus, you'll be enabled to see everything clearly. And that's what I want for each of us is that we would each begin to know how to walk in the light. Now, what would that look like? What would it look like to walk in the light, to walk in the light of the one story of the Bible, which is the gospel? Well, we have an example in John chapter 8. Right before Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, we see what the gospel does for a person. And if you'll take the story I'm about to tell you into the center of your life, Jesus, the light of the world, can change you the same way it changed this woman that we're about to meet. Verse 1, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. He's been up all night waiting for the opportunity to come into town and tell people what he has decided to tell them, which is, I've seen an illustration, the perfect illustration. I'm the light of the world. The thing you've been looking to every night, I'm it. But then he's interrupted. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the center of the court... They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. When they persisted asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone. And the woman where she was, in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, from now on, sin no more. Now Jacob is going to come and help me help all of us understand this story a little bit better. So Jacob, come on up. I just want you to stand. All you have to do is stand right here. That's all you have to do. Can you do it? All right, we're all counting on you. So just stand right here, you know, kind of below me, face them. Now, when, Jesus, when, the, when the Pharisees, when the religious people bring this woman into the temple area, We're told in the story that she has been caught in the very act of adultery. And they throw her down at the feet of Jesus. And so everyone in the temple area, so I can get this to work. Here it is. 
on. No. Oh, here it is. Oh, wow. Everyone is looking at the woman. She's in the spotlight, and she's completely exposed. The religious leaders see her and her sin, and she is filled with shame. Jacob, how you doing? You doing okay? It's hard to stand in front of everybody with a spotlight on you, but you're doing great. But the woman would not have been doing great. Everyone is filled with hatred of her and her sin. And Jesus stoops down and writes on the ground. And the more Jesus does nothing but be Jesus, the light of the world, the more attention is taken away from the woman and put on him. And now the woman, who just a few minutes earlier had been filled with shame, imagine what that felt like. Her heart racing, her hands sweating, maybe sweat running down her forehead, filled with shame. But now, now everyone's looking at Jesus. And one by one, people stop, start leaving until that all that's left is her and Jesus. The gospel says, Jesus, the light of the world, shines the light of his truth onto us, and we are captured and revealed to be people in desperate need of his grace and forgiveness. In the very moment that Jesus reveals our sin, he then takes the spotlight onto himself. And he says that on the cross, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that through him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the great exchange of the gospel. Thank you, Jacob. Good job. That's the great exchange of the gospel. That Jesus Christ exchanges his perfection for our sin, and he pays the full and awful penalty that our sins deserve, has it been true for you? Is that at the center of your life? Do you know that Jesus Christ has become your sin bearer and paid the full and awful penalty that your sins deserve so that you could be set free from shame and guilt and be found in Christ alone as righteous. If you have, if the one story of the gospel, if the light of the gospel has shown into your heart, revealing that you're a far bigger sinner than you thought you were, and that Jesus Christ is a far greater Savior than you ever imagined him to be, the light of the gospel is shined in your heart, then Jesus Christ says to you the same thing he says to this woman, I do not condemn you. Go, follow me. And then he turns to everyone else gathered, and he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. To follow Jesus, to walk in the light, we have to believe the gospel. Have you? 
At Good News, we say it's as simple as ABC, that we admit our sin and our need of a Savior. We believe that Jesus Christ is that Savior through his life and death and resurrection. And we commit our ways to him. Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord and help me become the person you want me to be. If you've never put your trust in Christ, won't you do that today? And if you have, follow him. Walk in the light of the gospel. Let the one story of the Bible become your story. In John, 1 John 2.6, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Or 1 John 1.7, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When we walk with Jesus... When we walk with Jesus, it begins by believing the gospel, but then we move from believing the gospel, we keep believing the gospel, and as we keep believing the gospel, we get to be a part of his church, his people. And in his church, we're told that we have fellowship. Now, the word fellowship is the word koinonia. And in the church, what does it mean to have koinonia? It means that we get, involved, get to be involved in peer care and peer share. What's peer care? It's loving one another with the gospel. It's showing up at coffee houses with people like James and helping them see how their life fits within the one story of the Bible. It's learning how to do peer care. Caring for one another within the body of Christ by showing people the light of the gospel. And it's peer share. It's taking the message of the gospel where we live and work and play and helping people who have never heard the gospel hear about Jesus. That's what it means to follow Jesus. In the church, peer care. Outside the church, peer share. How does it become real? When the light of the gospel shines on us. Just like it did for that woman. When the spotlight of grace moves, moves the spotlight from us to Jesus. And he alone becomes the biggest character in our stories. Has it happened for you? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Shine, Jesus, shine. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being the light. The one through whom everything was made. And Lord, may everything reflect glory and honor to you. Oh, but Lord, we acknowledge that not everything does. That the world has turned aside into darkness and men have loved darkness rather than the light. That we sin in the dark and we hide in the dark. But thank you, Jesus, that you've come into the world to shine the light of the gospel into the world. And on the cross, you have borne our sin and paid the penalty for it so that all who trust in you could be forgiven. 
of all their sins and receive the gift of eternal life. If this morning you've never trusted in Christ alone for salvation, he's offered to you in the gospel. Won't you receive him? Won't you admit, Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you in many ways and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe you are the light of the world and the savior of sinners. I believe you lived and died and rose again. Jesus, come into my life as savior and Lord. Jesus, help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus, I pray this week that we could walk in the light, that we could follow you out of darkness and into your light, that we could see ourselves for who we really are. Far more sinful than we imagine, but far more loved than we could ever dream. And Jesus, in following you, let us become a part of your great light project to shine to the ends of the earth the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, a city set on a hill, unable to be concealed, proclaiming everywhere, not ourselves as the hero, but you, Jesus, as the light of the world. I pray in your name. Amen.